Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, February 20th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about why scientists are so interested in near-death experiences. When people have near-death experiences, or NDEs, the symptoms are often very similar. A bright light, an out-of-body experience, a feeling of unity, love, and a lessening of the fear of death. And this phenomenon has been recorded across time and cultures as far back as the 12th century. Today, scientists are studying the similarities between NDEs and drugs like ketamine and DMT with the hopes that this information can help unlock some of the mysteries of human consciousness. Others hope to one day treat anxiety and mental illness with NDEs. So today, I sat down with tonic writer Shayla Love to learn more. Hey, Shayla, how are you? Doing good. So you've written about near-death experiences or NDEs before. What keeps drawing you to the subject? Yeah, that's a good question. I think something that I find really fascinating about them is that they have such similar qualities amongst very different people. Uh, So a lot of people experience a lot of the same things, being they see a bright light, they get this sense of a feeling of oneness or unity, Um, they feel love, they go back and relive their past experiences in childhood, sometimes they see deceased family members. And it's kind of an interesting phenomenon of the brain that everybody would experience a similar thing during an NDE. So it's important to say that not everybody has an NDE when they're about to die. Um, And we only know about people's NDEs who come back, right? People who actually die, we can't hear about what their experiences were when they actually died. So there is this small group of people who have these experiences, but amongst the people that do, a lot of their features are similar. So to me, that's just like an interesting question of why would we all kind of experience the same thing and what's causing that? Yeah. And how small is the group? How many people, at least that's been recorded, have experienced NDEs? Yeah. So it's it's rare, but not, not super rare. About 10 or 18 percent of people with cardiac emergencies have an NDE. And then about four to eight percent of the general population will experience one. And this is kind of a hard thing to get data on. So these numbers are probably, you know, they're sort of accurate. They're not super, super accurate. So we're looking at anywhere from four to 18 percent. So what are the scientific applications of this concept or experience? Like, why does this concept matter scientifically beyond just being really interesting? So they seem to change the patients who experience them. So when people have NDEs, a lot of the time they end up being less afraid of death. 
which can be positive for lots of reasons. It can diminish anxiety. If somebody has a terminal illness, um, it can help them sort of live with the fact that they're approaching death soon. There have been studies that looked at people who've had NDEs and found that they can come back from them more altruistic or more caring of others. So it seems to have these lasting effects on our personalities and sort of psychological effects that would be, you know, it would be good for us to harness them in some way. Like I mentioned about people with terminal illnesses, maybe if there's some way to replicate a near-death experience, you could help these people deal with the fact that they you know, that death is coming and, and they can live out the rest of their lives in a less anxious manner. One thing I'm curious about is it's impossible to know what people's experiences in death are really like. How do we know that, you know, prescribing an NDE to someone who, you know, for example, has a terminal illness will actually accurately reflect the experience that they're about to have? I mean, what if that experience is incredibly different. Yeah, that's that's a great point and we will likely never know for sure. I think something that might end up happening or could end up happening is that the name near death experience might have to change, right? It's something that does happen to people near death, but maybe as we start to understand what it is more fully, we can just describe it based on what's happening in the brain or like the chemicals that are being released in the brain and not necessarily associated with death. One of the scientists that I talked to pointed this out that, you know, what if you tell somebody this is what death is really like, and then once they approach death and it's nothing like that, then they're kind of upset or disappointed or even more scared. We, you know, we don't know enough about this to to say that for sure. Then some people who experience NDEs definitely don't feel positively about them. There's a group of people who have them who might feel really anxious or find them really upsetting. Um, I think it all depends on the individual. So we, you know, we only have the words that we have now to describe these things. And since we know that it happens a lot of times when people are near death, those are the words that we've used to, to make our definitions. But something else that's really interesting is people can have a near-death experience in NDE without actually being close to death. So just the perception that you're going to die can trigger an NDE. But in that case, it's not like you are actually having a heart attack or you're actually like falling off a mountain or you know, you're not actually in a situation in which you might die. You just perceive that you are but that can still trigger the same experience. So what exactly is it that's going on there? It might not be as linked to physical dying as we think it is. Yeah, and that brings us to sort of the next part of your article, which is about psychedelics and drugs. And you really focused on some research that is trying to find which psychedelics most closely resemble an NDE or a near-death experience. So I'm curious what the the findings of these studies are and kind of what they can tell us about the the biological or kind of neurological ways that NDEs are functioning in our brains. Yeah, so each psychedelic drug acts in the brain slightly differently, and we know a little bit about how that works. And so if we can compare the experience on psychedelics to an NDE, maybe we can try to understand what's going on, you know, on a fundamental level during an NDE. So anecdotally, people have always related DMT to a near-death experience. And there was a theory put out by this guy named Rick Strassman who gave people DMT in the 90s where 
he postulated that our bodies make their own version of DMT, which is called when your body makes your own version of something is called endogenous. So our bodies make an endogenous form of DMT, which your brain releases when you're about to die. Um, and then, so that's why when you take DMT, it's so close to a near death experience. And there've been a couple other studies that looked at DMT and its relationship to sort of phenomenologically and near death experiences. So a new study that I wrote about, um, found that DMT was not the most similar to an NDE, which is interesting. So they compared over 15,000 reports of people's experiences with different psychoactive drugs and then compared them to over 600 descriptions of near-death experiences, and they found that it was actually ketamine that was the most similar uh, in experience. So all of the psychedelic drugs they found had similarities with NDs. They found that ketamine was the most similar. And this is interesting because ketamine works slightly differently in the brain than DMT does. So ketamine is glutamatergic, which means it acts with receptors in the brain called NMDA receptors. So DMT interacts with serotonin receptors. So this is a slightly different mechanism. So what, what can we make of this, right? What does that mean? It probably means that near-death experiences are really complicated and they involve more than one pathway in the brain. It probably also means that there's more going on than just the brain releasing its own version of DMT. And more recent work has found that there might not even be enough of this endogenous DMT to create the near-death experience. So as with most interesting things, uh, the answer is like, it's really complicated and there's a lot more work to do. Um, but the promise again is that since we have these drugs and we know how they work, we can continue to study them and really get at those mechanisms that have been out of reach for so long. Where do you see this research heading in the future since it's sort of in its preliminary stages right now? I think that we're only going to start seeing psychedelics being used more to explore the basic functioning of the brain for a long time. It was not okay to use psychedelics, and now they're slowly being reintroduced into science. I think that's really exciting because, like I said, we don't really have another way to model these really complex states of consciousness, like a near-death experience. You know, it's much easier to give somebody ketamine, which is relatively safe, than to give somebody a near-death experience, which ethically is probably not a great thing to do to somebody. So we're going to learn a lot about consciousness this way um, and just how altered states of consciousness come to be and, and what causes them. But like we talked about before, this could be a great application even for anxiety or people with terminal illness um, and just helping people reach that lessening of a fear of death or lessening of anxiety. I think those are all potential applications. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shayla. No problem. You can read the full story at tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening, and tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.